intro, and we're doing like a, I'm doing a real hard intro this time hard because intro. yeah, we have a lot of stuff we want to talk about, and we have a friend with us uh, to discuss them with us. Uh, this is Last Minute Politics. My name is Pepper Coyote. Uh, I also have Xander the Blue with me, and Dragor. Occasionally, Dragor Zippy tanks on things like Twitch, but we also have a fourth person with us, Kiri. Say hello. Hi. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. We we didn't lose you at the most hysterically inopportune moment. <laughs> I was just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm still here. Kiri's like, peace. The show has started. I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god. Kiri, what's up? With, what's up with you? We're gonna ask everybody. You you phrased it better when we were talking beforehand. How about you give us two? People here like politics. That's why they clicked on this thing. So how about you give us one, uh, how you were radicalized, which is a great sentence to say. How were you radicalized? And like, what are you doing right now, either for work or whatever? What, like, what are you doing in your daily life? All righty. Um, I am Curisis Curie Alpinus. Um, I am a author, an editor, game designer, um, grad student. I do a lot. Currently, I am, of course, working on my master's thesis for hopefully sometime graduation next year. And to really get into how I became radicalized, um, I was kind of making a joke of it with my husband like the other day while we were at a record store. Like my dad had us listening to James Brown at kids like the Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud and listening to Sam Cooke, A Change Is Gonna Come. Uh, when we went to uh, Liberty Science Museum in New Jersey, he would tell us like some black history facts about people who had been basically messed up by the system, like Muhammad Ali. He was like, yeah, there's this guy named Muhammad Ali. He wouldn't fight in Nixon's war, so they stripped him of all of his titles and told him he wasn't worth anything. And of course, like Paul Robeson, who had to flee across the pond and stuff because they wouldn't really deal with him over here because he was speaking out about a lot of the injustices over here. Uh, my mom, of course, was a shop steward for the Communication Workers of America, and she used to tell us all the time about how bosses used to exploit people, would try to fire people on a humbug, and she was like, because we know better, we can do better, and we're not going to allow people, we're not going to allow bosses to exploit our labor without any type of representation. So... Mm. My parents were pretty radical and my grandparents, like my grandfather fought in World War II. Uh, he got up to, I believe, I think it was like a lieutenant or something, but he got busted back down to a private because one of his fellow so, officers slurred him and he basically beat the guy's ass. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you got to be the power and fight the power. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a this is it's it's great having this perspective this is another reason that i wanted to have you on the show because your perspective is essentially an opposite of ours on paper because like here i get to make the hacky joke that everyone makes i don't know if you could tell well we're all very white and very men <laughs> so we have like we have the option the lug the luxury i don't know of like going around and floating figuring our stuff out like we we have a story of how we did not become like 4chan white supremacists where I'm assuming you didn't really have a chapter where you had to overcome your community's <laughs> enjoyment of white supremacy. I mean, um, when I was younger, I used to hang out on the sites like Rotten.com, and I did used to oh. hang out on 4chan before it took like yeah, a right? hard, hard right. I was going to say a hard left. Well, because that's what I say when things go sideways. But before they really became like Nazi city and like really right wing, I used to be on there for a lot of the edgy humor. 
because sure what 13 year old around the turn of the century was not oh yeah <laughs> 90s 2000s that was the absolute peak of it's funny because it hurts people the, the yep. phrase did it for the lulls <laughs> Did it for the man. Long. I grew up in that era. That was like early '90s. Like that's when the counterculture was all like "fuck you," yeah. I mean, that was yeah. kind of where that came from, right, Dragger? We're all trying to outgrow our South Park season four mentality. Yeah. Well, that, that, <laughs> that came from before then. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Like the stuff I was watching, I was like, I was, I was kind of with it, and then all of a sudden, someone would make like a joke about uh, Jewish people, and I was like, that's that's not funny. Or somebody would say something about women. It's like, I know I pre- pretend to be a faceless guy on the internet, but it's not funny to make jokes about women. And then, of course, you come into the whole, the pool's closed, bro, saga. And it's like, uh, this isn't as funny as I thought it was. Wait, this, is, this isn't so funny anymore, guys. Oh, some of you aren't joking. Yeah. <laughs> right. Some of you would the- like to turn these ideas into policy. Yeah, and that's where I was like, no, we we really got to step away from that. And like when I began to say stuff about it, it was like, well, you can just leave. And I was like, you're right. I can just leave. Deuces. And I left. <laughs> <laughs> sort of what we've done. So, hey, just for la- one more like spitfire a rap- shotgun opinion here. What What's your opinion on cannabis? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Was- wait, wait. Did- <laughs> I know you said cannabis, but I swear I heard cannibals. What's your opinion on cannibals? cannibals? Also, you can answer answer one of those questions and we'll never know which one. <laughs> I'll answer the cannibal question first because I actually did write a political <laughs> science paper on the ability to sell your organs. Like Ooh, other boy. political scientists are out here like talking about wars in Darfur and what's going on in Belarus. And I'm like, you know what? If we want to sell our organs, I think we should be able to. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> that was me. You're going cyberpunk future right now. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Um, but as far Isn't as that like what that musical was about, the <laughs> repo the genetic opera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I like in political science and stuff. I was like my professors really allowed me to explore some really crazy stuff. But um, the end result was like you know people had been stealing bodies, and I was like, well, if there's a market for like organ creation or for somebody if they want to be able to sell their organ, they should. But there are a whole there are a lot of ethical dilemmas with that that I don't even have the time to get into. So long story short, don't sell your organs. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I was gonna far. say is. As, as long as the exploitative nature of capitalism is a thing, please don't sell your organs. Yeah, please do not sell your organs. Um, oh the opposite God. of that, Tim and Eric bit, please don't send in your bones. <laughs> so I was just... Guys, I just got to hit... I, I just hit a really weird mental brick wall. Like, you know, you're trying to think, like, where did that story come from? Like, what's, what was that a Star Trek episode I'm remembering? <laughs> was that a movie plot? Was that Repo the Genetic Opera? So I'm, here, I'm like, I'm trying to remember, what was the media I was consuming that had, like, a little subplot of world building where, yeah, they were letting people legally sell their organs. They're like, yes, they will die, but this much money will be sent to their family, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then I realized, I'm thinking of motherfucking B-Stars. <laughs> Beast, yes. Beast stars has fucking world building in it where they're like no this gazelle is selling blah 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 for money and they're like yep i'm choosing to do this and then the the person buying them was like i want to eat his dick and they're like no wait and then scene black market baby the only thing i can think that's similar that when justin timberlake was selling his years of life Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, the time movie. Yeah. Where you had a little clock on your like wrist, wrist. that would say how many <laughs> yes. days you had left or exactly. hours. 
<laughs> and you would grab somebody else's arm and you could just suck the time out of them. <laughs> I, yeah. Someone, someone saw that machine from like Princess Bride and got really excited. Like, let's make a movie of this. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Kiri, I did. I do want to hear about your cannabis opinions. Oh, on cannabis, I have always been extreme. Well, I have to take that back because I, when I was in like uh, middle school and high school, there were a lot of people who were doing a, who smoked a lot of weed and. They used to let the smell cling to them. And then, of course, around that time, they were kind of they had some questionable opinions on hygiene. So it's like I just hated the smell of it and how it made people stupid. But uh, as, I would definitely say that junior high usage I am against. Yeah, I am oh, definitely yeah, against time. that in junior high. <laughs> but as an adult, especially one that has like I have a medical uh marijuana card i'm legally like i have to go to a doctor every so often and they're like okay tell us about your anxiety tell us about your pain and we'll prescribe uh thc or cbd for you to deal with that um as an adult i'm all for it like to use it responsibly and to help manage my pain because uh i spent some time in the hospital last year and to be honest being on painkillers well opioids as a matter of fact was one of the worst things that i've really had to do it was a necessary evil but i hated it and its effects on me as far as like the weed and stuff much better like i it was out of my system quickly um i didn't have to worry about any gastrointestinal effects uh, it hit me quickly and it stayed in my system and it dealt with my anxiety. And I'm like, heck yeah, if we can find a way, you know, to get this to people who actually need it as an alternative, a pain alternative to opioids and stuff, I'm all for it. Just be responsible with it. Did oh, yeah. you? Yeah, and it's almost impossible to OD. Go for it, Drager. <laughs> Did you grow up with the uh, kind of the cultural thing of, hooray, I got prescribed the fun pills? Oh, so like <laughs> if the prescription kind of validated it? If you get, like, Xanax or something. Um, yeah. So, like, I grew up in the household. Wrong. Usually, uh, my dad has, between, like, a bad knee thing and uh, some herniated disc stuff, he's had varying bouts of intense pain. So, alcohol was regular. Uh, he He's a lightweight for weed. But I, I distinctly remember growing up, you know, when he, like, had to have a neck brace and everything. Uh, he's like, oh, they gave me the Percocet and they gave me the anti-nodules. <laughs> Here we go. Mm. And like, I've been on stuff like that a couple of times here and there. And I kind of echo your, what you just said there. I have never found those drugs fun. I've always found them tedious and like they get the job done. I'd rather have an opioid than nothing at all for some of the pains I've experienced. But I'm just kind of wondering like the, did you have that similar cultural growing up of oh yeah we're, we're gonna have a muscle relaxer and a beer here we go see dragger oh. i think what you're finding is that's like the lame white version of tripping <laughs> so yeah. it's like, like that that's like exciting for us yo and we're gonna like, drop advil they can't go as far as actually doing an illegal drug but they have a valid a, a doctor gave me this so i can enjoy it <laughs> it's sad but it's kind of true <laughs> Uh, as far as like uh, the legal opioids and stuff, growing up in a black home with a black single mother who had end stage arthritis, like she had to have surgery on her knees, both her knees. She was in a car accident where um, her pelvis was shattered because uh, when mm. she was hit by a tractor trailer oh. and it spun the van out into the concrete divider and the impact of it forced her uh, 
femur, I believe, up into her pelvis and it ended up cracking her pelvis. So she ended up having to have a total hip replacement and a knee replacement, bilateral knee replacement. Um, She had to have surgery on her shoulders because her arthritis was just so bad. And the biggest problem, like with my mom, of course, being a black woman, is the fact that they really do not listen to our pain. Like for her, she had to prove that she was in pain. Like after the accident, uh, the ambulance gets there and they're like, well, we don't see any blood or any bruising around you so you can walk to the ambulance. And so they made my mother walk to the ambulance, get inside the ambulance. And she's just whining in pain, just in pain, pain, pain. And I remember being like 11 years old and getting a phone call because some uh, good Samaritan called us and was like, your mom's in the hospital. Because at her t- at, in her mind at that time, it's like, I've got two kids that are depending on me to get home, but I need somebody to look out for them. So this, she tells them our phone number. And so like I, uh, my brother picks up and he's, they're like, mom's in pain and stuff. And we don't, um, we don't know what happened. And the guy's just like, yeah, your mom's in the hospital. This is the hospital she's in. She's probably not going to come home tonight. And that activated like all of our little security protocols and stuff for us to like, if something ever happened to mom, we go to one of mom's friends' houses and stay there. But at that time, like while she was there whining to us, relaying this to us, they did not believe her pain. They did not believe that she was in as much trouble as she was in. Um, So she, they get her on to the stretcher and she's just waiting out in the hall and stuff. And like an orthopedic surgeon comes by and is like, okay, give her the x-rays and stuff. And then after they get the x-rays and they see how much damage has been done to her hip and stuff, they just start jabbing her with morphine. They just start giving her morphine because it's like, there's no way, there's no way she should actually be conscious right now. And it's like, yeah, I mean, Kiri, <laughs> I don't have to. This is, I'm not breaking this news to you, but we, you'll hear sometimes in like your, oh, weird old shit that was believed in the pre Civil War days where there were doctors who were walking around. They're like, no, you see, black people just have a different way of experiencing pain than white people, and they can just take way more of it, which was also used to justify the horrific beating and treatment of, of black slaves. But you will not be shocked to hear this. They did studies very recently to find out how many doctors still think that, oh and it God. is a non-zero number. In yeah. fact, it's, oh my, it's frightening. I don't want to throw out one digits. and be wrong. It's a double-digit be- number of oh. practicing current physicians who genuinely be- medically believe that different races of different skin <laughs> colors of people experience different levels of pain. Oh, yeah, the it, they fuck? believe that we have a higher Which is false, by the way. That isn't real. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely not real. Uh, I personally, like my mom, uh, I'm not that old. <laughs> like, I am not that old. And I had an experience, like, where my gallbladder was going out on me. Like, I mean, I was in agony, so much agony, because it's like I couldn't keep anything down. Uh, was constantly... Um, just sick like my skin had actually turned yellow and I go to the emergency room going back and forth and I had a doctor look me straight in my face and say you're okay it's all in your head and my mom comes and he's like well it's just all in her head there's nothing really wrong with her and so since I couldn't keep anything down I'm all dehydrated and stuff so I come back the next day and the same another doctor is like uh well we don't think it's anything the x-rays didn't really show us much so you know we're just going to give you like some antacids and send you home so after the third time, I have to go to the emergency room. Side note, as an American with insurance, I still had a $200 copay every time I went to the emergency room. Oh, um, totally. So yeah, I go back for the third time and then the doctor is like, okay, well, we'll keep you overnight. And what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and just kind of, we'll, we'll go ahead and give you a, give you a little look around inside just to humor you and stuff. And this is how patronizing the doctor's talking to me. We'll humor you and just see what's going on with your gallbladder. 
So they opened me up and they take out my gallbladder and they said I had gallstones. The necropsy from my gallbladder said I had gallstones between one and two centimeters trying to pass. Jesus Christ. Which is not physically possible, I don't think, no, right? No, you can't Like, that would eventually them. killed you. It would have eventually killed me. Like, I was starting to go into, like, a type of sepsis because I was just, my body was so sick and my gallbladder had shut down. And I wasn't taking, I was losing all of my nutrients because I kept throwing up and I couldn't keep anything down. So it was like, yeah, I was kind of dying there. And they were like... No, she's a black woman. She's looking for pain medicine or she's just, you know, she'll be all right. It all just compounds. It compounds because if you believe that black people don't feel as much pain as you, then logically, if they're, oh, they must be pretending because they want pain pills, like you said. Like, it all just, (laughs) then you see those Twitter posts of like, where a nurse thinks they're being cute and like, ah, people fake their pain all the time. We're like, the the real problem is actually the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have people faking pain. We have people yeah. with genuine real problems where the medical community is just like, eh, you're, you're faking, you're full of shit, get out of here. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I just sent you a, the Ooh. article that I saw this week about Dr. Susan Moore. Oh yeah, you said very relevant. She's a fucking doctor and says, look, yeah. I have this pain, I need this medicine. I'm a fucking doctor. Like, listen to me. And they wouldn't give her the fucking pills. Oh, yeah. They said exactly what she needed. They said she was intimidating to them because, yes, a black woman. If they think you're lying about pain, (laughs) they have no problem saying that, oh, you're black. Therefore, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yes. (laughs) And then that's even less of a jump. And then it became a news story. The CEO said that she was a complex patient. Like, what the fuck does that mean? As if they're talking to to not treat a fucking human. Yeah. And we're in and we're in our dumbass for-profit American medical industry where you're like, yo, shut the fuck up. The customer's always right, remember? Like, where'd that go? We're not getting any of this shit for free, even. Like, it's, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Not, so we're I'll, trying to run in I'll preface. quick. I really want a multi-million dollar healthcare bill. Yeah. I just love that. That's my kink. I just get off on doing that. That's why I'm at the hospital. I'll just to mess with, with you, I guess. It's absolutely not the same, but it's in a similar net. Uh, I have drastically noticed how uh doctors respond to me if they know i'm queer yeah yes because i didn't share that with doctors even when i was out to like just publicly in general i don't know i i just i didn't share it and then the first time i go in and i share it immediately it's oh well you have something you need antibiotics or we're gonna go do a blood test like i i had the aids test like three months ago and I haven't done anything since. And they're like, yeah, but we're going to do an AIDS test. Like, uh, to the medical community, like gay equals AIDS. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It really I, uh, All your problems are AIDS. I, I went to, I was just in St. Louis, uh, suburb, and I asked to get a regular checkup and I said I also would, was going to want an uh, STD test and an HIV test. And then when she said that, oh, well, I have to ask the doctor and I got a call back later saying they weren't comfortable uh servicing me oh so <laughs> yeah i wish i like followed up on that but i didn't care enough at the time so you know i just wanted to see a fucking doctor so i don't want a hard turn because there's inevitably we will be talking about med- medicine once again even just in this episode but i want to hit what i had for this is the my intro i guess but it's not really an intro we, we've already been talking uh i just wanted to go through so today is inauguration day we are recording on january 20th and i'm already complaining about joe biden and i'm already yeah. being told to shut up about it uh, <laughs> and they're like look he has 17 executive orders that he's signing right now today and none of them end the mexican 
child concentration camps. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm laughing because it's like people shouting in your face, shut the fuck up. Biden's doing the best he can. I'm like, well, wh- so what? Are we supposed to like wait for the second hundred days before every Democrat, not every, but how much sh- sh- extreme action and reaction and extreme opinions were there about how Trump basically is running Mexican concentration camps or was because it's not him anymore. Now Biden is running Mexican yep. <laughs> the concentration yeah. camps because he's the guy in charge now. He just like, didn't want to step you, on too many toes in doing so. <laughs> imagine telling someone that that's not a real issue we actually have to worry about last year and now those same people are like, well, you know, we can't just do everything in one day. Like, you know, we can't just close Auschwitz right now. We have Look, to like give them notice Pepper. so those guards can like collect their unemployment or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Pepper, Bob Johnson just redecorated place. It looks really nice. He just wants I know, the man. time to. They got twice know. as many space blankets now. Yeah, yeah. It's a paradise over there. So I want to read out the the 17 exec orders. Like, these are summaries. Please don't take these as full text. We are not experts, and this is definitely not like a hardcore analysis program. The Biden bulletin. Please, I encourage you all to Google and find more information about these things. I'm just giving you the basic idea here. So I'm going to say one and then everybody in the chat should just give, give me a letter grade on how much, on what you think about it. Just say like somewhere F through a plus on each of them. So the stats they give me are, I get topic, a summary of it. And then it also has, there'll be, there's a reversal column to say whether it's just something that they're undoing that Trump did where it's like Trump did a thing and we just are right back to square Obama. Nothing is different. Right back, roll back to 2016 rules. Some of them are those, some of them are not. First, coronavirus. This is not a Trump reversal. Launches 100 days, it's called the, in quotes, 100 days masking challenge. (laughs) Asking Americans to wear masks for 100 days. Requires masks and physical distancing in federal buildings on federal lands and by government contractors or state government. Oh, and urges state and local governments to do the same. Yell your letter grade. Uh, I'm not assigning a letter grade. That's almost nothing. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> I give that an F. <laughs> this, I'm kind of an F on myself because it's like, this kind of feels like asking Americans to wear seatbelts. Like, we still have to give out tickets for people wearing seatbelts. So do you yeah, really think asking rules. people to wear a mask is really going to do anything when we have people who are like, you know, this is taking away my liberty. I want to be able to cough on somebody and spread a virus around to them. Like... No, without any type of teeth behind this, like saying you have to pay a fine or something, it's not really going to get us anywhere. So I'm proud. Well, don't I think worry. It's better than nothing. I'm maybe I'm. I'll give it a D or a C because I think it's it helps. But oh, it's better than literally nothing. I would agree. Yeah, it's fucking the hundred. The masking challenge makes me laugh though because that's just it's, fucking yeah, very funny. It's my no my focus is. Like, okay, yeah, Xander, you're calling it the masking challenge, and that last He part, calls it the masking challenge. <laughs> oh, well, Quote, true. 100-day oh, masking does. challenge. Urges, he calls it the 100 urges, days. Urges states yeah. and local governments. Urges. Why the fuck are you in <laughs> office speaking on this topic? Just It's because you can't executive order yeah. shit on the states, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, you cannot. There's a lot um, of these. I don't want to get bogged down, because we'll do this on every one of them. make the commercial places do the thing, I guess, because that would be too much. I don't know. Next, still on coronavirus, this is a Trump reversal. We are stopping the U.S. withdrawal from the World Health Organization with Anthony Fauci becoming the head of the delegation to the World Health Organization. I give this, this is a C because it's just like enough, it's a neutral. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, fine. I'm glad we're in the who, but being in the who doesn't actually, like, it doesn't give me health (laughs) care. 
They yeah. did the thing they were supposed to do as far as, you know, caring for your population. That's it. Yeah, but even the W the, the World Health Organization doesn't do any of that. It's just where you go to like talk about it and help with vaccine brainstorming and Stuff. funding and well, right. Like right? as far as a protective measure for your population, you want as much information as communication as possible. So me as yeah. someone yeah. who's a genetic reject that's going to get killed by something weird as patient zero, I'd <laughs> like other countries to throw their hat in the ring and like give us that info or the United States to give my corpse info to someone else. Yeah, yeah. that's how I kind of feel like it's a B thing for me because it's like I, I need as a citizen of the world. I need all the smart people who understand the stuff that I don't understand to collaborate and share what they know so that we can stop this. Like, I don't like the idea of it's like, well, we're going to keep all the information we have to ourselves and it's just going to be American information because we're better than everybody else. No, if you have information, share it with everybody. Yeah, I'm all That's towards fine. international collaboration, especially when it comes to worldwide pandemics. Another coronavirus one. This is also not a Trump reversal. Uh, it creates... Uh, I'm going to get weak as I read these. Creates the position of COVID-19 response coordinator, reporting directly to Biden and manages efforts to produce and distribute vaccines and medical equipment. I guess. Pretty, pretty damn neutral on that, too. Like, if they do anything, great. <laughs> exactly. It's like, we made a drug czar, and there will no longer be drugs. Yeah, yeah. It's just so Democrat. It's, it's like, we, make, we put someone in charge of it and hope the problem will go away. Yeah, this is just <laughs> bureaucracy. job. <laughs> Yeah, they just added Joe the Biden thing. creating jobs. Oh, no. Yeah, right. It created one job. That's one job created, one Woo! promise kept. Okay. Economy. Promises kept. Promises kept. This is also not a Trump reversal. This is a new economy. Extends the existing existing nationwide moratorium on evictions and foreclosures until at least March 30th, because everything will be fine on March 30th. Look. A plus, good, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I wish that there weren't all these papers assigned to it that you have to fill out to get it. I'm surprised that anything happened with the rent, honestly. So, yeah. I oh, it's so. not going away. This is just a moratorium on yeah, yeah, evictions. Yeah. Every single dollar you quote owe your landlord is still oh, yeah. getting added to that total, bitch. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I'm kind of feeling like this Can is you a pay D. a whole year rent now? No? Uh, okay, goodbye. It's March 32nd. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I think this one is a D because it feels like you're just kicking the can down the road. Like it doesn't do yeah, anything. It's definitely a thing. <laughs> it doesn't do much except hold off what's coming until the 31st. And the way that the vaccine rollout and response has been, it's just going to get much worse when March 31st comes around and everybody's going to be sitting around with their thumbs up their butts. Like, what do we do? And it's like, no. Yeah, it's an A plus until April 1st, then it's an F minus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same way about the the student loans too. It is kicking the can down the road because I know a lot of people are affected by those, and I would be one of them. Not going away. Yeah, yeah. We got one on the environment, which is a revert. Oh, we know this one. They're rejoining the pirate, the Paris, the Paris Climate Accord. And I'm kind of like rejoining the who good, but uh, uh, (laughs) they're also canceling the Keystone XL pipeline, which. That is like canceling pipelines. Cool. Great. We should get away from fossil fuels. But like it doesn't mean 
All that means is specifically the Keystone XL pipeline, which Obama already kind of tried to shut down at the end of his administration. That won't happen. But when the Keystone XXL Big Gulp pipeline comes <laughs> oh, through, no. fucking that one could be approved. Doesn't say anything about that. Uh, this one is a complicated one for me because even though, like, I live in Canada, I live in Alberta specifically, and that pipeline meant a lot of jobs to Albertans. But also, uh-huh. like, there are a lot of indigenous folks who are like, we don't want this pipeline uh, pipeline on our land. So, yes, it's a good thing. So, we are going... They had two routes. <laughs> one through special indigenous land, one through a white suburb. And guess which one they chose? Well, it would yeah. be too much to hope for the white suburb, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was in, like, 2007 when they were having the fight in the beginning. That We're yeah. so far. The Keystone XL pipeline... Jesus. So I'm curious because this is the thing I just don't know about. And you, uh, I'm assuming, either live in or near Alberta, at least part time. Uh, <laughs> they talked here about how many jobs it would create all the time. They're like, oh, 100,000 jobs. We're like, no, it's going to be the same crew of like 30 people just kind of following the pipeline down. It's not like all these states are going to suddenly have new industries. Do you know how many jo- of those jobs would like go and stay with Albertans? Mm, I don't have a um, I don't have a number. I actually have to go look that up for the number. But like, as far as you could tell, was it real or were that like fake? Was that the illusion of jobs like they do here? It seemed like it was a very real thing because like Alberta is we have like our tar sands up here. We're very big on oil. Oil is what keeps this province's economy running. So anything that's like, okay, stops oil or gets us off of it when we put so much of our energies into it. It has a negative impact. And so what we're experiencing yeah, up sure. here is the type of thing that happened like with the coal miners and uh, oh, yeah. people in yeah. the states are dealing with. They're not going to be happy about this. And like <laughs> the people that are in power now are going to actually feel the pain from this one. So like, yeah, it's a good thing. Like I'm happy for it with indigenous rights and the fact that we're trying to get off fossil fuels. But in the end results, like this affects me, too, because it's going to be harder for jobs here. Like it's going to depress our province. So it's like Pepper, mm-hmm. you had mentioned uh, illusion of jobs. And it made me think <laughs> about the iPhone factory we were supposed to have in Wisconsin <laughs> that got pulled the rug under us. <laughs> Foxcom. Yeah, Foxcom, Foxcom built a bunch of empty buildings. So many jobs. Yeah. People, people got kicked out of their house so they could build those plants, and the plants are sitting with nothing. They are four walls and a roof, and that is yeah. it. Oh, it yeah. We got out capitalism. Yeah. By China. <laughs> of course. Of course we did. In China, all of the capitalism is on the same team and under the same boss. Of course they would beat us. <laughs> uh, really quick, I want to add to the Keystone Pipeline XL. There's uh, Representative Lou Coria. And in this tweet, it's also claiming not just terminating the pipeline, but also ending oil and gas development at national wildlife monuments. So what you do there is you can't drill on federal land. So what do you do? You sell the federal land and then you can drill on it. That is Mm. how it's been working for generations. (laughs) As if I wasn't sad enough already. Holy shit, the Foxconn factory is supposed to have 13 thousand workers and billion workers the whole planet was gonna work there (laughs) everybody (laughs) okay so here's one that just says equity oh is this gonna be this is a trump reversal rescinds the trump administration's 1776 commission which was his fucking like baby crybaby response to like the 16 whatever what is 16 (laughs) the idea that american history starts when columbus showed up the 1607 commission yeah 1607 commission talking about year two It rescinds the uh, directs agencies to review their actions to ensure uh, racial equity. So I'm sure they will review it and they'll just 
fix that right up. And <laughs> we solved just, racism. This does nothing for me. I'm just going to throw that out. Yeah, this does he not. He signed a damn an executive thing. order. An executive order ended racism, Kiri. It's over now. Mission accomplished. <laughs> hey, that, I mean, that's that's what I would expect to hear. But hey, it's always it's always comforting to hear that. Yeah, this thing that looks like it's nothing, you agree, is basically nothing. This this does not a damn thing for me. I'm just like, it's like, can we quote Kiri? Yes, quote Kiri on saying that the res, the rescinding, uh, well, the 1776 commission report, and then rescinding it, it does not a damn thing for me. It certainly does not do anything to ask the same agencies to review their actions, because we've been doing that. That's been the plan the whole time. Oh, the cops killed someone. Can you guys review your actions, please? Well, we reviewed them, and we didn't commit any crimes. Moving on. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Equity, which is, this is not a term first. This says, prevents workplace discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. I like that being prevented, but as a person who has been removed from jobs for some hilarious reasons, uh, <laughs> the the actual effective of the you aren't allowed to discriminate based on xy is is questionable yeah any big thoughts on this one so i lost a job offer to what i strongly suspect is uh someone basically tattling on my queer status um oh. i and this is in chicago which is supposedly one of the queer havens right yeah exactly uh, yeah you're in the tech I've, industry i've talked about it before a friend of mine and his husband uh brought his husband to a company party Everyone was basically cool. The wife of the owner wasn't, and he got fired, but Illinois is an at-will state, so good luck proving that. So, like, these workplace preventions don't really do much unless you have someone on record shouting a slur or saying, let's get rid of them because X. Like, the the barrier (laughs) to get away with it is just don't say it and then fire anyway. Unless you have the kind of amazing, overblowing evidence that you could just get them canned on a on a social media campaign, your job probably isn't going to do it for you. Which Correct. ties into a later thing about how the only way people can even find any kind of change anymore is is like going after Daddy Corporation for positive or negative. Yeah. But I'll hold that for a sec. We have a census one. And this is a Trump reversal. This one I'm happy with. I worked for the census for a sec. I like this. Uh, it requires non-citizens to be included in the census and a, a, a apportionment of con- congressional representatives. So the only reason I'm not like real excited about this is this is a very much back to square one. <laughs> if you read the Constitution, it does not say the census is a constitute is a, a count of U.S. citizens. It just says it's a count of the people who live there. And we also it it, it feels very like. A, a neo version of our of like a like a three eighths compromise where it's like okay we want we want the illegal immigrants to count when we are deciding how many votes Alabama gets but we do not want them to count when it's how many votes California gets like it's just that same kind of <laughs> like, like that or Florida dumb. like um, yeah or Florida uh, or Georgia one thing it's I used like, to hate living actually... in Florida is the fact that uh, the treatment that a lot of um, immigrants got coming over like we had a lot of uh, Haitian immigrants a lot of Mexican immigrants a lot of Colombian immigrants and like a lot of times um, like I went to school with a lot of these kids and a lot of times their parents like they needed uh, they needed we needed better funding for our schools and stuff but they were like oh well you know they're not quite legal so we're not sure if we really should fund like that used to really make me mad because it's like they're still going here I'm still going to school oh, yeah. we all need to be educated because an educated populace is better for everyone and it's just like well we just kind of we don't know. Like, that's something I really despise. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Immigration, we got one that is this uh, fortifies DACA after Trump's efforts to undo protections for undocumented people. Good, keep the dreamers here, but um, I wish we would have a more permanent solution to that. Immigration, another Trump reverse. This is a Trump reversal. Reverses the Trump administration's restrictions on. Oh, this is the 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 ban the travel ban on majority Muslim countries. Yeah, we got a whole yeah, pack duh. of them. <laughs> duh, yeah, duh, easy. I don't think. P- please speak up if you think that that should stay in place. <laughs> okay. That, he just did that one for his ho- for his fans. There's a lot of those that are in reverse. I mean, like, you still got to do it. Like oh, right now, yeah. The the ban is in place and it does need to be revoked. It's just Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm just saying like, yeah, there's a lot of these wow, this should never have never been a thing in the first place things. This one <laughs> says bar. It, This says undoes Trump's expansion of immigration enforcement within the U.S. I wish he could have just done, like, dismantles ICE as an organization. Because we already have one that does all the stuff that ICE does. We're just paying extra people to go around and, like, ah, you have an accent. Let me hassle you for a minute. We're replacing bad ICE with good ICE. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, this type of stuff, like, this is the type of stuff that really infuriates me. Because it's, like, it's a... It's just basically lip service. Like, you're not getting rid of the root cause. You're just like, okay, we're going to get rid of some of the symptoms. No, fuck you. Get rid of ice. This is something I yeah. will not budge on. We already it, got... Oh, what, what was it? The what, What's the department that was doing that before ice? Just, not, just the Department of the Interior? That's a good question. Who was doing it before ice? Because, yeah, what's the, the name of the other agency that already did the job ice does and then they added ice? I do think it was the Department of Homeland weapons. Security. <laughs> yeah. Department of Homeland Security. Like, it, yeah. Oh, well, oh, I'm going to edit yeah, that, that out where I don't know. Because ICE made it very specifically to <laughs> making it yeah. racial and keeping exactly what it it was. It was to make his fucking fans happy, unfortunately. You can't call it the anti-Mexico force. Yeah, exactly. that's too on the nose. Exactly. <laughs> so okay. we called it ICE. It w- before wow. ICE was created, it was Department of Immigration and Naturalization Sir. Sir- Service. Oh, yeah, we already just had one. Which is in the Department of Justice and which worked with the Department of Labor. Like... They did much better. Uh, yeah. What else we got? Immigration. This is not. Uh, oh, sorry. We also have um halts construction of the border wall. It's like yeah, whatever. <laughs> Good, but fuck. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we've stopped digging the hole to hell. We just, we stopped doing it. Okay, good. Uh, (laughs) Immigration, another one. Uh, Extends deferrals of deportations and work authorizations for, ooh, specifically Liberians with safe haven in the U.S. until until June 30th, 2022. That's right, Liberians. You got two two years on the clock. Get whatever you're doing done because June 31st, apparently you're out of here. All these kicking the can down the road proposals. Goodness. That one's two years at least. It is a lot of, hey, we're not because they don't want to validate the Liberians who might not be here on not kosher terms. Basically, that's what they're trying to say. Yeah. We, we like, want the good Liberians, not the bad Liberians. Yeah, we don't want to punish the people who worked really hard for those student loans. We got to kick that can down the, the road, too. Same with the rent. Don't want to fix that problem. So uh, the good renters and the good students, we want to reward them. Got to help the good landlords stay in business. Oh. All right, we got a couple more. Let's see. We're under our last two. We have one that just says ethics. What's this going to say? <laughs> oh, requires executive. These are the, the two funniest ones. Or the funniest one requires executive branch appointees to sign an ethics pledge, barring them from acting in personal interest. <laughs> and uh, 
requiring them to uphold the independence of the Department of Justice. I'm not saying anything. What do you guys think about our our good boy pledge? I think this is an F. <laughs> this is an absolute F because, like, when I worked Triple in Florida for like, uh, I worked for the government of Florida. Like, I worked in unemployment. I worked in uh, worked with the courts. I worked for like um, fraud enforcement. Like, I had to sign one making my little twenty five thousand dollars a year, saying I wouldn't take bribes or if I got a gift, I'd report it and stuff. Like. Or that right. you wouldn't, like, overthrow the government. Yeah, I wouldn't like, overthrow the government. Like, they would ask this. When I worked for the census, I signed one of those. Yeah. It's, Same thing. It's like, I worked there for two months, and I had to sign a piece of paper that said that. This doesn't happen. Why, why does that ex- things like that for WMS? Or oh, for my God. Our, right? <laughs> isn't there already the, isn't, like, was the Hatch Act the personal interest where you're not supposed to take, like, gifts? Like, don't we already have all these rules in place? Yes. Like, uh, s- double and triple layers of these rules? Yep. I guess it's they like everybody so just watched everybody just watched impeachment, which is supposed to be our biggest weapon against a president or somebody in the executive <laughs> branch. Everyone just watched impeachment go down twice, and other than being a little embarrassing and creating a lot of memes, it didn't really restrict the actual power of the office of president. So now we're going to add a pledge, and yeah. that will definitely do it. No, now you have to Look. pinky swear. Yeah, oh my god, we're gonna become blood brothers if you become the president. You have to prick your finger. Pepper, we embarrassed someone out of office once and it worked, so they <laughs> the thought Democrats they'd try tried it again. To, tried to embarrass. Well, yeah, they could embarrass Nixon out of office. That's what That's I'm funny. saying. They did it with Nixon. <laughs> they are like, oh shit, I gotta get out of here. Like, stuff like what this. Else was going down? <laughs> stuff like this really makes me wonder how how far we've come or how far we've kind of regressed. Because, like, when they say stuff like this, me being. Um, kind of a liberal-minded person thinks that, yeah, you know, people will say at their word, like, I won't do this sort of thing. I give you my word. Or, you know, yeah. my word means something. But the realist in me, the woman who lives in 2021, having seen all the things that happen, knows it's full of shit. Because nobody yeah. cares about your word. Like, your word, money trumps your word. People can be bought. So it's like, yeah, I can sign your little pledge. You're not going to do anything to enforce it, so... <laughs> Sure. Uh, yeah, and, and on top baby. of that, you can move on to somebody else. Like, oh, yeah. fuck you, I'm going to move on oh, to this totally. person. You know? We watched uh, what excuses were used for the most obvious, like, white-collar politics crimes, and they just had to go like, yeah, that wasn't me, and that's the whole defense, and that's all it took, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's like... Um, it. for a lot of people. Oh, I didn't tell them to do a crime. I just said that the crime should be done. <laughs> like, that doesn't oh. count, right? <laughs> It's like apparently not. And it's like, it doesn't count. Well, legal. Well, technically, he didn't. He didn't <laughs> yeah, say right? he it's funny. I was watching this video about the shield and that whole idea of like, look, there's a lot of bad shit in the world, so sometimes I gotta do bad shit to correct the bad shit out. You need bad people to do bad things, and that is still a thing that is around from the '90s. Kind of how we were talking about, like that idea of. Uh, it's like, like the movie Dirty Harry. Yeah. It is. <laughs> like you need 100%. a bad cop yes. to fix the other bad cops. <laughs> like, look, we need a liberal in to some to just jerk off these billionaires just enough so the system doesn't collapse and everyone's better. Trust us. And it's like, that was the exact same logic applied to Trump, where it's like he's a businessman, so he'll be able to do better business deals with all the business people. But there already yeah, yeah. was the track record of <laughs> he was a terrible business person, he's just good yeah. at grifting. Yeah. I would argue all major rich capitalists are bad at business. <laughs> He's not actually rich, though. Well, all right. Wait, 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 wait. To be clear, standpoint. Jeff Bezos is 
excellent at capitalism. Uh, yes. Cheeto is was excellent given, at being a grifter. If I had the same rich parents that Bezos had who would bail me out after my company failed multiple times like they did, I also could run a bookstore but online. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I unfortunately I give a little billion. bit more credit to the nefariousness around Amazon and Bezos. Same thing with sure Mark Zuckerberg. I'm sure he's not Zuckerberg. a total moron. Like, they were very anything. inventive in how to abuse the system. Yeah, because there weren't any rules against it. Frick, we have, I, I carved out a bit of time. I mean, Kiri, we've, already, we've luckily been able to have some good conversations already, but you wanted to talk about a, a specific topic. Guide us into that. Yeah, um, what I really want to talk about is representation in the fandom and how I'm a li- just a little bit tired of the virtue si- signaling and like the endless... Um, what am I call it? The endless lip service that we're getting. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna call. You it. had me at virtue signal. <laughs> right? I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> like going back, like my thing is, uh, like last June when we saw the Black Lives Matter thing, I was like, heck yeah, come on guys, fight, fight for what's right. You know, tell them we're tired of this. Because mind you, I had been protesting with Black Lives Matter since I think like 2014. Uh, like it's before it was an NGO. Yeah, that's before it became an NGO. And like, uh, it became the entity that it is because I was so upset at what had happened to Trayvon Martin and then Jordan Davis in Florida. Like, I was like, I cannot believe that a young black man cannot mind his own business in this country without having to having to justify that to police officers, to a random white man. I was like, I can't stand this. So Mind you, I was working for the Florida government at this time. I went out mm. and I would protest with them and be scared out of my mind that the cops might get mad and might shoot us for protesting. Like I said, when I mentioned this in the beginning, like my parents were radical and stuff and they used to protest and stuff. So I was following in their same vein. But I grew up watching videos of like protests in the 60s and 70s when they would sick dogs on you or turn the water hose on you. And it's like, please understand that by doing this, you're taking your life into your hands. And I was like... Yep, I understand that, but this is wrong. And if my life should be forfeit protesting what is protesting for what is right, then so be it. So I see this in June and like it's great. I see people out there protesting, like people getting their asses beat for people like me. And I'm like, hell yeah, guys, go it for it. Do it, do it, do it. And in the fandom, I see all these people like um putting in their name putting in their names on Twitter, Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Um, and then it grew, it's like, yeah, trans lives matter, all cops are bastard, indigenous land rights. And I'm like, fuck yeah, guys, go for it, go for it. And then fast forward, like I see the cons and stuff, they're like, well, it's kind of it's a little timid, a little milk toast at first, but it's like, okay, we support, you know, rights and the ability to protest for what's right and stuff, and we support this. And I'm like, yeah, good, good. I was like, so when are you? When are we gonna see like you know, Bogpok guest of honor? When am I gonna see Bogpok on your staff? Mm. And this silence is what I got. So I'll put myself out there on the spot. I'm uh, a co-founder and current con chair of First Squared, a little 1,200 person uh, Wisconsin furry convention, and a lot of us in the staff and especially in the uh, executive part of our little event identify as pretty progressive and lefty. And the thing we hit with is the following ignorance. We, like, we're, we're mostly pretty white. The people we know, like, most people I know well are white. How does a fur con engage in engagement and finding out? Like, 
we want to do the thing and then we just found out we're so ignorant we don't even know how to make it right so sure. like since all of this has begun a lot of us have been trying to just straight up educate ourselves but at the same time the con is on a schedule and like i feel like i'm farther behind than anywhere where i wanted to be so like part of our programming was hey do outreach try and find anyone and everyone fish for suggestions try to get people to submit stuff it was just kind of scattershot so mm -hmm. it i didn't have too good of a direct question but like i am a con chair i am a white con chair what would what do you want to say to me what do you think i need to hear that i'm not hearing i'm glad that you asked that question because i get asked that question a lot when people say where do i go to find bipoc how do i get them engaged it's very simple. We're online the same way when, um, think about when a company is like, okay, I want to have queer or LGBTQ plus outreach. How would I go to find those people? Because please believe there are people who are BIPOC who follow your con and who go to your con or who perform at your con. Like if you're wondering for some names for some guests of honor or some people that you collab with, I can give you Tanya Song. I can give you Solar Dog. I can give you, um, Wolf Strikers, uh, I can give you Rio Lepidoptera, um, I can give you so many more. If you want writers, I can give you Cedric Bacon, I can give you Allison Ty or Ty Sibber, I can give you um, so many people. But the thing is, it's like you have to like go to where we are. Or like, I know, I know the thing is like people say, well, we don't know any black people. And my thing is go find some, start following some. Don't be afraid to send a DM and say, hey, I see what you said. You know, you make some really good points. I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to be better. Can you show me or can you point me to the direction of some people that can help get this message out or some people that we can help uplift? Like, I want to shout out to Further Confusion because my other thing was like the charities and stuff that we pick as furry conventions. It's always going towards animals. And I'm like, yes, I'm a big proponent of animal rights and animal welfare, but there are indigenous causes, there are Latinx causes, there are trans rights causes, there are black causes, all of which we can happily donate to. Like all of these people are members of your fandom. And we- I, want, I just want to second that. I don't have anything to add. I just <laughs> really agree that yeah. we should do some more human-based charities. Like and we're so, there like and we've been there. It's just like, it just, it's infuriating. Every time we go, it is so, so white. Yep. And it's like, Kiri, you probably shouldn't say it. And it's like, I don't give a fuck about what I should be saying. It's right, and I should say it. I, this is going to be a this is a slight aside, but it's not even an aside. This is exactly what we're talking about. Uh, like, just proportion of, of, like, visible representation when you go to FurCons. I was actually pleasantly surprised. I went to FurCons way before I attended even a single anime con. But just through a combination of furry and going to anime cons, I'm getting a much, like, better rounded idea of uh, really just how large and underserved that the like black nerd community is oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> oh yeah like there that demographic even if we're talking from a gross capitalist perspective that demographic is huge and like very underserved yeah we're out here we have always been out here and it's just like it's just infuriating when you go somewhere and it's like oh i didn't know black people were into this and it's like but black people don't like comics. Black people don't like to be anthropomorphs. <laughs> BIPOC people don't think that, hey, you know what? Sometimes I want to be a dog. Or sometimes I want to be a dog in the internet. What, yeah, the friends I've known who I would 
classify as such i've met through furry so <laughs> oh, totally. oh that's that's kind of me too yeah yeah so totally. I, I i don't know if this is the direct i don't want to i don't want to be totally be steering the direction but i i don't know here are my thoughts about it so like i am i don't run a convention but i do i like i'm in a band i have i perform musically a lot and at no point has anybody in the band gone you know what we this, we just need to have a black person in our band like that, <laughs> like that conversation doesn't happen but we work we end up like if i if i stop and look around and see who i'm working with i am glad to say that it's a variation of skin tones a variation of genders a variation of uh, cis non-binary like we've kind of had a little bit of everybody and i think from a from a con level this is going to sound like I'm just telling everyone else what to do and totally Monday ba- Monday night quarterback in this. But I think that building up a big, like, here is our person of color guest of honor. Look at him. Ah! Like, I, I think that might be like a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that. What don't I would really that. like to see cons do <laughs> no. is just, qu- no. I'd like to see cons just quietly having GOHs that are more diverse looking and active. Oh, right. like, and then eventually it won't be a I'm big deal. Sorry to bother you flashbacks. <laughs> I'm going right, to, right. Uh, what, what I'm going to say is like, I'm going to put him up on a platform because I am so proud of him. I watched this little dude grow from like a college student trying to just get an A in a course to being one of the hottest names within the fandom. And I am so proud of the work that he's done. And it's Solar Dog. Because the thing is, Solar Dog's one of those people who's like, I see a void. I see a vacuum. I see a need. So I'm going to work and see what I can do to fill it. Like he organized, like a lot of us were talking about, like, you know, when we go to the cons, it's like the same music over and over again. It's like, can we get some variety? Solar Dog was like, you know what? I want some variety too. So you know what? I'm going to put on a party. I'm going to collab with some of my friends. And you know what? We're going to do our damn thing and we're going to put ourselves out there. You know, it may, it's like try, lose or fail. At least we're going to try to do something. And you know what? The is that bo- the origins of the... That's the origins that the, of the, the BIPOC party. The POC furry party? Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah. origins of the POC party. Because he wanted to do it. He saw a need and he was like, what can I do to fix this or make this better? What can I do to be to sh- get representation that I want to see? He was like, what can I do to be the change that I want to see? And he did it. And now next thing you know, all these places are like, all right, we got this hip hop block for this time or we got this rap block. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And so like when you go for folks like that, it's like you don't have to be like, yes, this is our like, say, for instance, like um, with him, like, yes, this is our token solar dog. You know, you can put him up there. He's our token black guy. I hope this appeases you. It's like, no. We've this checked is, the box. Yeah, this is solar dog. What he does for the community, he constantly gives away icons for people who want them. If you want art and you can't afford it, he'll work with you because it's like he understands what it is to be to not have and to want something if he's like um this is the community outreach that he's done this is what he's done or even like saying for instance tanya like tanya is my girl and i feel so much for her because it is tiring because like one of the biggest things she has to do deal with being an indigenous person and being a trans woman of color is a lot of um she has to deal with a lot of devil's advocate bullshit and being yeah. like and it's from supposedly white allies supposed to be working with us she's like okay this is what's going on with indigenous rights this is why you know we deserve this this is how you know these are the things that i've done here's the things that you know i'm doing as an indigenous person fighting not just for my land back but for the fact that you can't drink oil you can't eat gas you know, this is her as an indigenous woman. This is the stuff that she's fighting for and she deserves recognition for it. And she just happens to be a BIPOC trans woman. You know, like you don't have to introduce her as that. She's also a musician. So it's like, um, 
for me, I, I'm like, very lucky to say I've been to many of her concerts. It's awesome. She is a wonderful person. And like, if you get a chance, like, cause it gets tough for her, like, you know, dealing with all the shit that she deals with, you know, just sometimes be like, you know what? Hey girl, I see what you're going through. I understand, you know what? I just, you know, I'm gonna try and amplify your voice or amplify what you have to say. And if I get any sort of power, any sort of position, I'm gonna make sure that these people who I work with know who you are too. And it's the same thing for me. Like I write in the furry community. We are also one of those underserved parts of the furry fandom. People don't even know that we exist. My thing is- Just writers in general. Yeah, just writers in general, really. Like <laughs> people didn't know, like one of the things in the fandom is like, it's very male dominated. And oh, yeah. like a lot of the writing was like vastly male, um, male representation, lots of cis male representation. So I, being the change that I wanted to see, I went up to um, Fur Planet and I was like, hey, Fur Planet. I was actually, it's Fuzz. <laughs> so I was like, hey, Fuzz. Uh, what are you- hey, Fuzz. <laughs> yeah, hey, Fuzz. So I was like, hey, so <laughs> when are you guys going to get a female, female anthology and, you know, name it something like Purr? It's actually named Claw now, but it's yeah. like, he's <laughs> like, you know what? Come talk to me. And I talked to him and I was like, you know what? This is the representation of women I wanted to see. And another thing I wanted, I was like, not, I wanted to make a bold statement. It's not bold now. This should just be common knowledge, but it's like trans women are women nonstop. Like not, no questions asked. Trans women are women. We don't, you don't question this. So what I did in the first female, female anthology claw is I made sure to not only seek out trans women, talk to them and say, hey, come submit to me. I will work with you to get you into this anthology and make sure your stories are heard. I made sure to get that out there because that was the change that I wanted to see. And so since I had been granted a position, I wanted to uplift other people who needed visibility. And that's my thing, like, with the fandom and representation. Like, if you want to consider yourself, like, I've noticed this a lot in a lot of BIPOC mentions. It's a lot of non-marginalized people coming into the mention saying, I'm a good ally, I'm a good ally. And it's like, you can't determine for yourself what is a good ally. Only the marginalized people, community that you're working with can bestow that title on you. Otherwise, you just ain't shit. Like, as far as I know, I'm ain't shit when it comes to, like, trans rights or to the rights of indigenous folks. Because it's like, could you donate money? Could you donate time? What can you do to help them get better or them get more noticeability? And I was like, I could do more. But for now, I'm doing what I can. But I can't say that I'm a good ally to them because only that that community, only those communities can determine what a good ally is. And if they feel like I've been a good ally, they will let me know. But in the meantime, my work is to make sure whenever an opportunity comes up to strike down transphobia or to say something about indigenous rights, or if I hear something dumb like this land is your land or this land is my land, when it's really not any, it's not none of our fucking land except for the indigenous folks who fought and died on this land because it was theirs, that's that's their land. If it comes up to saying something about that or striking that out, that's what I'm supposed to do because it's the bare minimum. Like the bar well, for me being a cis woman when it comes to like trans right or being a black woman when it comes to indigenous right, the bar has been set in hell. And it's like, Kiri, <laughs> do better. Triple well, subterranean. And the thing is- and a good is, point. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, on the- Allyship, I don't remember where I heard this, but uh, maybe it was one of the queer groups in college. Uh, allyship isn't, being an ally isn't a title. It's an action you take. It's a thing you do. 
It's not so oh, bad. Guys, I want to talk about around. liberals so bad. <laughs> you, you, what was that? Me? Oh god! I want to talk about liberals so bad. <laughs> hey, can we talk about how like, they kept Trump how kept we, saying the most gay-friendly president? Like or, or people Republican have turned nominee. People have turned out because I believe. Okay, so this is going to be real inflammatory. Yeah, same thing. I think I think that liberals are mostly a marketing demographic at this point, and a lot of liberals want to take like ally. They've kind of turned that into like a fetishized identity where they get to put on their pin, "I'm an ally," and like <laughs> yeah. walk through their lives and be like, "There it is. You can't. You guys can't call me any names. I got my ally pin. See, I'm holding up my badge. Here it is." I definitely retreated back in the day with my tail between my legs, where I was basically going on about a couple of different bills re revolving around queer rights and i was i was what i was 22 24 or something and i was okay. at this group called drinking liberally and some of the people there are incredibly active especially at the local government levels and it was such a i felt attacked at the time but in reflection like i'm glad they did it Huh. Uh, I got called the fuck out because basically I wasn't doing anything. Now, mm. that is that is an oversimplification. I do believe in like talking about and spreading awareness is a thing to do, but that is one of the easier things to do. Especially when we're pandemic down right well, now, yeah. everybody. Yeah. There wasn't a pandemic COVID. at the time. Yeah. I could have this, been boots <laughs> on the ground at the time, and I was not. This is assuming we're non-plague <laughs> yeah. on yeah. the occasion. Well, and I've said to we the get both if you can't be out doing the things right now. It's okay. We're all plagued up. Like once I'm vaccinated, <laughs> once you know I don't have panic attacks going outside, I I need to be boots on the ground. I need to do more than I'm doing now. Uh, Kiri, you know. hopefully it, it, it's good. All three of us are kind of in a thing where we're like, we're all pandemic out, and as soon as we can do it again, we're like dedicating ourselves to participating in more direct action. Oh, yeah. and, um, uh, you know, I don't mean this as any kind of brag or anything, but I have been lucky under capitalism. So as soon as the BLM stuff started, like, not only am I sharing that, but like, oh well, I don't have my my con budget. It's it's there. Like I budgeted it out, and there are no events. So, okay, what are the two ways I can help? All right, well, there's these charities and things I can donate to, and, oh, all these artists that were making their lives on the con circuit are fucked. Mm, so, yeah. like, similar to any delivery driver or any anyone who does not have any guaranteed source of income, like, whatever I'm quoted, I throw so much more at that than I as long as I can, you know, kind of the... I still have a mortgage as well, so if I don't pay that and I get kicked out, then I can't continue to help folks. <laughs> but, like, that's what I try and spread. I, I don't think it's enough, but I still think if more people just at least did something, it would help. I hope. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I kind of lost my point. Sorry. No, I understand what you're getting at. Um, the thing is, like, with me, like I said, I used to go out and march and protest. But however, last year, um, I've had an autoimmune, autoinflammatory uh, disease since I was about eight. And last year, it took a turn for the worse. Like, it, it's what hospitalized me. And my thing was, like, I'm a person of action. If there's, like, a protest or something, like, I can't walk far. But I was like, You're, you best believe I'm going to be out there protesting, holding up my sign and stuff and be like, okay, if I need to make calls to somebody, doing whatever, doing what I needed to do. So this year, well, last year and this year, 
as I've had to take a step back from protesting and doing stuff that needs to be done because I am sick, it's really taken a toll on me because it's like, Kiri, are you doing enough anymore? Is can is there more that I can do? Because also I was dealing with unemployment too. So it's like, I can't give money to people. I can't go out there and support. It's like, well, what good am I? So I started listening to one of my favorite authors and it kind of makes me sad because she passed away on my birthday. But author Toni Morrison, who I found out was really big and instrumental in the civil rights movement and housing movement and stuff and getting a lot of authors published. She said, do what you can from where you are. So it's mm-hmm. like, Kiri, what can you do from where you are? Can I uplift Native voices? Hell yeah, I can. Kiri, can you uplift trans voices? Fuck yeah, I can. Can you call out transphobia when you see it? Yeah, I can. Some people may not like me, but I can do that. And it's like, okay, Kiri, that's that's what you can do from here. But when you get better, or like as where I'm from, we say, when you get on, donate the money, donate the time if you can. Do what you can from where you are. And that's what I asked. So I want to like, so I'm going to try to circle back and like round out our conversation and latch onto the idea you just did of doing, uh, doing what you can from where you are. So if we pretend, let's pretend, let's remove like the, the giant, the gigantic cons. So let's say we're not talking directly to like your MFF Anthrocon or BLFC because they mm-hmm. have like, you know, various layers of decision making, blah, blah. But there are tons and tons of mid and small level cons. So let's pretend that we are in the, let's again, for argument's sake, let's say we are the one single person in charge of making all guest of honor decisions. This is gonna sound like a, a backhanded compliment for for how I how I think you could go about this, and then uh, Kiri, I'm gonna bounce to you so you can like temper my idea, my ideas. But it seems that when I am trying to personally, like in my either art commission life or what musicians I want to work on a thing, or full disclosure, Solar Dog, who you were talking about before, he drew one of my album covers. Yeah. Uh, when I'm trying to like increase the diversity around myself. I tend to, you'll see the phrase black excellence thrown around a lot. And that's like, yes, celebrate black excellence where it exists. But I think we also kind of need to give a lot of space for like black regular ass people yeah. <laughs> who, who, who may not be the ultimate super, the absolute most famous, most popular X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, just pick like an artist that's like pretty good and have them, they'll draw your badge and make them G-O-H. Like yeah. if you're looking, if we, if you look around and realize, oh, there aren't enough prominent people of color or trans people, non-binary, etc., you got to kind of grow them. Yeah, like, you have to. All of our yeah. people are homegrown. Yeah, pick somebody, have them do it, and if it doesn't work out, what did you really lose? Yeah. <laughs> if you pick a, a goh and it turns out they're a bum and they don't want to do their events and they're cranky about whatever, next year somebody else try again. Like in, if you do more and more of these small time, just ah oh, here, draw our badge, be our first suit guest of honor, yep. DJ this thing. Eventually, you end up with dozens and dozens of people from which the cream will rise yeah. I don't know. like you know what i'm saying and, you and, increase and like, your pool like you're saying not everyone hits it the first time someone can oh absolutely not yeah. and hit it later you know you just gotta put people in slots and see what they do and some of them will definitely take off yeah i mean so, like, what, what do you think about that i mean the people who are guests guests of honor now like 10 15 years ago they too were starting out and they needed that bump up or somebody was just like, hey, I know this yeah. person. They they make yeah, okay for suits, you know? And then they grew from there. It's like, 
why can't we do that for BIPOC folks? Why can't we do that for, you know, like trans folks, you know? Why? Nobody sat down and said, for our white guest of honor, <laughs> let's pick the absolute yeah. best. Like, we really have to think about yeah. it. It's like, no, you just fucking no. pick some people. Yeah, nobody said that. <laughs> like, I'm not saying, like, just because, like, you know, just just go find, like, some token and stuff, because that's that damn sure ain't what I'm saying. What I am saying is, like, yeah. you know, go out there into community and stuff. Like, there are lots of tags that, like, Pepper said, like, there are black excellence tags, or I am visibly black. I just, as a joke to the guy who was talking about Don Lemon, I said I was openly black, and I guess that's a hashtag or something. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, go find the tags, or it's like, you know, I'm Hispanic fur, or I'm a Latinx fur, or, you know, I am a trans creator, I'm a non-binary creator and stuff. Like, check out those tags and see what's really going on and stuff, and don't be afraid to reach out. Like, if you guys have some people that want that you're thinking or like you have some connections or something and you need somebody, I have a lovely list of wonderful people, some that have a following, some that are just regular degular like me that just, you know, just need a push or they've done good work in the community and they need to be recognized. And like, as for me, like, I'm just going to put this out there. Like, I don't. The, recogni the recognition is nice and all. I'm not here for that. That's not what I want. I want the representation. So it's like, mm -hmm. Kiri, what do you want? I want the representation, not so much the recognition. Put people that, you know, aren't just cis white males up there too. Give them that shot mm -hmm. and stuff. Give them that chance to give them their roses and stuff, you know? Because it's like, we spend all our dollars and stuff supporting, like white folks in the fandom or forwarding cis folks in the fandom. Why can't we spend our dollars and stuff supporting and elevating BIPOC and trans non-binary folks in the fandom as well? How much do you perceive in for, I, I guess I'll state I perceive this and you can agree, disagree, or give your own view. I feel like a lot of conventions look at the GOH and AOH spot as... I don't want to say they're consciously thinking of it as a competition, but that's kind of how it comes off in, as as it feels. Uh, when the big mm. conventions bring in a Disney animator or a voice actor or something, that's cool and that's fun, but there's a big part of me that's going, why do we need that kind of external validation? We're all here. Like, <laughs> furry happened because a bunch of us just kind of got together and... <laughs> Thought it was cool. Yeah, just so, a bunch of regular people. <laughs> yeah, like, how much do you feel like conventions are putting something into, like, putting a bit of approval into the AOH and GOH spots? Is that something that you see or not really? Shout out to Joaquin Baldwin, <laughs> who is both a furry and a Disney animator. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not <laughs> throwing shade at anyone. I'm just... Oh, God. Yeah, that quote's going to fucking follow it. me. He's so public with it that I can't even be like, wow, you gave away the secret. It's like, dude, you use your real name and you tweet about yeah. this shit all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> there are I don't know. As, as a proud member of the most honorable and noble society of Dole and Dole hybrids, I kind of have to sniff at... Jacqueline, because of his point on Dole, his tweet about doles, we saw that, and we know. What do you say about doles? <laughs> we know. Not and I'm gonna leave Did it at that. <laughs> but um, for sometimes, for like for some cons, when they bring people who are outside, 
sometimes it's a good thing for like, you know, it's kind of a way, depending on how they interact with us, it can be a good thing and a bad thing. Like, I never had a chance to go to Rainforest. The writing community talks about it a lot. They say how great it was, how they would bring in, um, how all the writers and stuff in the fandom would get together and just veg out and do uh, work together and stuff, get together. Uh, they brought in a science fiction and fantasy writers of America author who has done really good work and is a great author and very knowledgeable about his craft. They brought him in as a guest and he showed the writers. He's like, he, he basically kind of taught the writers and I was like yeah that's actually a pretty good privilege you know if they bring in more guests of honor like this I'm kind of down with it but in the same token I don't think that we should be trying to go all out and appeal to the masses because that's not who we are like I don't I don't want to see furry sanitized to be commercial I like I want to keep furry weird but I also want to keep furry appropriate if that makes sense like I don't want to get rid of like the adult art or any of that craziness. I want it to be kept to be appropriate because not everybody's into the adult art and stuff. So I don't want to push adults who are into like the furry aspects of it off because it's like, yes, furry has to be all about adult art. No, not that. It's just, you know, like keep furry weird. Keep furry what it is at its roots, which is a bunch of regular, regular people coming together, enjoying their appreciation of anthropomorphic animals. I don't know if this is relevant or not, but like the reason Kiri is on our show, like me, me and her do not have any longstanding relationship. We had a Twitter conversation, then we had like a series of DMs, and then I'm like, do you want to come on the show? And that, like, yeah. that's it. <laughs> I think <laughs> what you like, just exemplified and Kiri, what you've been saying is myself and many others need to uh, deal with the, the, I guess, the cold calling anxiety. Start taking yeah. chances on people, man. Not all of them will work out, but some will. Some will. Because, <laughs> like, I've lived my whole life as a pretty fearful person, and that's true to this day. And, like, true. that inhibits my ability to do a lot of the things both I want to do and how I want to help. So I think I am going to try and apply that more. Yeah, like I said. It's a tough thing, because, you know, when we <laughs> grew up, Dragger, especially in the suburbs, you know, like... I grew up with, this is going to sound super weird, but I swear to God, it's true. I grew, I, I grew up like l lower middle class, so like we didn't have racism for a while. And then we <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't have get that racism. Till the next update. Like it's so, like when we got to a big enough high school where people could section off and, and you know, and I totally understand, but like it was like it, we learned it from our parents more so and those were more ingrained by the time we grew up more. And we are big enough groups where those who felt like they had to section off into groups did so. But growing up, I did not have that. So did you have that same experience or no? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, did, it wasn't really until I went to Chicago for college that I fully understood the biases and outright racism that I grew up with. And I guess like the big thing to clarify is there's a lot of people that there are a lot of people where when you say racism, the only thing they think of is direct harm, and they don't yeah. think of other biases that are harmful but aren't like directly associated to an action. And so yeah, that would be problem we have, definitely. liberals. <laughs> Pepper, <laughs> stop it. Dead. I am not <laughs> talking about fucking liberals. <laughs> no, 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 no. You'll like, have your day in court, liberals. By the way, I'm not trying to like gain sympathy or anything to either people, <laughs> like, to y'all here on this call we're doing or to anyone listening 
I'm just describing what I went through for better and yeah. worse. Yeah, most of America thinks that racism is like a Klansman killing someone, and that's it. No. And anything other than that is not racism. No, we grew up with the the useful racists, if you will. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not so much like they'll go along with it because they believe in a weird thing. That's a longer conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we weirdly didn't get too horribly political except for the president the part. Short of it, but yeah. Um, with the racism American growing exceptionalism up? is a hell of a drug. Oh, man. <laughs> We're not here for that because I can go all day about that. But I, I know, I know. <laughs> but growing up, uh, I went to a mixed elementary school. So it was, of course, I went from like the suburbs of Atlanta. I lived in Decatur growing up in Georgia. And I was bussed out to, because I was in a magnet program, I was bussed out to like the suburbs of Avondale. And Avondale... We all know what Joe Biden thinks about busing. Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) I was sent out to Avondale with uh, lots of upper well not upper well upper middle class white kids. So who had both their parents in the home. And I was happily confronted with racism every day. Oh, and it was no, like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah. And it's not like uh, the sad thing is a lot of people think racism is the clan coming out, burning across in your mind, calling you the N word. No, no, no. Mm. Racism is your fifth grade teacher coming over and basically because like you got smart with him, him snatching your book out of your arm, shoving your arms into your lap and forcing you to hold your head up and saying you will listen to me. Or when you're hanging out with a group of black and white girls and you guys like have a bottle of apple cider and you guys are passing around laughing with each other like, oh, I'm drunk and I'm flying. Your teacher comes out, the same fifth grade teacher comes out and he tells you like, hey, where are my flyers at? And it's you and the other black girl who get punished and not the little white girls. Sure. Oh, that's insane. I was going to say, being like going from you're in Georgia and then you're being taken to a more affluent, whiter school. So you're in like old money Georgia territory then, right? It, in Atlanta, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah. These are like these were the, yeah, these were like the suburbs of Georgia before the white flight out to like uh, Gwinnett and Alpharetta and stuff. Like basically in the suburbs of DeKalb County, yeah. Yeah, it's like a part of the country. I'm just, I'm, I, I sound like I'm asking some like mystical question about like a dif- people from a different planet. <laughs> That's a part of the of the U.S. I've just not really been to and not seen. It's, I only, I know the poor white people very well i grew well, yeah, up all yeah. around them well, that's, that's what i'm saying i never realized that about my own upbringing like i like out of the right just this, this one class and we had a different class where they could look down on us and that was a whole different dynamic yeah Man. i never thought about that before but it totally was a thing because like once we introduced the rich kids because once we were all the, just the poor kids i got a, we were just all poor kids we didn't yeah we're all poor yeah that was my exactly. middle school experience right <laughs> Right. It's Uh, like whatever. We're we're all all poor. (laughs) None of us can afford the new Xbox. There's all these weird things they could judge you, like what clothes you wear and this and that and shit. Now it becomes a whole thing. It's like my mom went to Kmart. My mom went to Walmart. Hey, hey. yeah. (laughs) It's like oh, she splurged. Yeah, exactly. It's like oh, you mean you got new clothes? I'm from the thrift store. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. Holy crap! New clothes. The only thing you get new is like snow pants. Because you can't find a lot of secondhand snow pants. <laughs> yeah, okay, like now we're going the way back machine. When, but as I think about it, when I went to like middle school and high school, where I was, where I went to school with uh, the poor kids, like in a, poor, a really depressed, I went to what they call a Title One school in high school. Oh, yeah. uh, everybody was poor. 
It was just like, uh, we had kids whose parents were in and out of jail, parents who had died, were living with their grandparents and stuff. And it really did not matter your race. It's just, yeah, yeah, it just yeah. mattered your class. And it was like, we're all poor, so we don't care. Fuck it, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, at least, totally. It's at least a lesser degree when everyone knows, like, we're all kind of wallowing in it over here. <laughs> hey, hey, let's let's make it about why we kind of started this thing. Gosh, it's almost like like capitalism wants that to be that way. I know, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you're, you study political science. You might be able to remember what exact thing. There was some, like, at the beginning of the formation of the country, we had just finished the just finished the Revolutionary War and there were these Revolutionary War vets who wanted their like pensions so they marched on DC and then there were all these poor white people who were like hey poor really poor black people and indentured servants maybe we should all team up to fight this new and then they had like a series of specific laws that only advantaged white people specifically to break up that kind of class solidarity like that crossed racial lines like America has a history of doing that yep um, I think I want to say it's Shay's Rebellion. That's the, definitely one of them. I think that was it because it's like, wait, we can't have the yeah. poor people. We can't. And fun fact, this Black is the and same. White poor people teamed yeah. up to do a rebellion. Yeah, and yeah, they were yeah. like, got to get rid of that. This is the same thing that happened in the 60s and 70s, like with the CIA breaking the back of the civil rights movement. And like when we found out that yeah. the government did conspire to kill MLK. Because he was like... Happy Martin Luther King weekend, the government <laughs> killed him. Yeah, it's like, he was yeah. saying, well, p- people, you know, everybody deserves a house, everybody deserves some type of dignity, everybody deserves a living wage, no matter who they are, regardless of the color, creed, religion, gender expression, they deserve dignity, you know, um, they yeah. deserve... Bring back the yeah. poor people's party. Yeah, and they're like, well, what, we can't American, have that. American <laughs> education buried that shit really good, because I did not, not know all that stuff about MLK growing up. Oh, yeah. Like, of course holy not. You shit. just hear the you hear the peaceful protest part, which is supposed to tell your little mind never to rebel against the police. Yep. Right. They show you the co- the cops beating the fuck out of people, yep. which again is to tell your little mind never to rebel against the police. Yep. And then you yeah. move on. Yeah. It's like I like I posted, I tweeted this out um, on Monday because I was like, please do not let this sanitized version of the I have a dream speech get to you. I was like, you need to show read- a color photo of the guy. Yeah, show a color photo. Of him. I was like, you need to read the letters from a Birmingham jail. You need to read why we can't wait. You need to listen to his drum major speech and hear how radical he was. And then even in the 70s, there was this guy um, named Fred Hampton. Uh, I believe it was the CIA who was really afraid of him because they thought he was like a black messiah because he got like Latin gangs to join with him. He got um, working with like uh, some poor, some poor white folks out in the country working with them. He got black folks working with them. He had like this whole coalition of people and they were like, you know what? We will not be denied. They were, they were like the predecessors of what we, of the people who are called the radical left when they're in actuality, they're just left people who deserve, (laughs) who believe we all deserve a living wage, you know, and then even if you can't work, you still, you don't deserve to be in poverty. They're like the forerunners of that. still deserve food. You still Uh, deserve to live. Yeah, stuff like that. Uh, Anti-police. Yeah. All right, I gotta, we gotta coast this show to an end. So we (laughs) do a thing. So I've got a, I've got a circle back to the very beginning for a question I want to ask each of y'all. So you opened with someone asked you, uh, when you became radical. And I remember the first time I was ever asked that and just how slack-jawed I was that someone thought I was radical for the things you I believe. You think I'm radical? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for each of you, how do you feel about 
basically being a radical of some kind to a large population. How do you feel about that? Do you think it helps, hurts, what needs to be acknowledged about it? Just thoughts on that. I didn't get the significance of the Red Scare when I was growing up and, like, why that's important that that was so shitty. <laughs> <laughs> like, it didn't click with me quite because I was so in my... Sh- I mean, I didn't really even get political until later. Like, that's a long, longer story. But basically what I'm trying to say is I did not understand the whole idea of... <sighs> how dangerous it is to be on the outside of the status quo. And and just like you were perceived as a threat in a way. And like during the red scare, people wanted better things for other people and were, their lives were ruined for it. So like, that's a very real possibility around the corner. And I think about those things around and how how I missed that around the first time around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. They essentially not they like de facto illegalize an entire mode of political thought. Yes. Which seems pretty anti-American if you go by our stated ideals of America. Uh, like, and if you I, want the status quo forever. Yeah, I agree in that I personally enjoy being left because it is against the establishment. I believe that the establishment is uh, creates only harm, and as long as we have the shit machine, only shit will come out of it. So I believe the goal of leftists being to remove the shit machine so we can get a better kind of machine in there uh, is a very noble goal. I like that it pisses off the worst people I know. (laughs) And I like that at the end of it, I can have these disagreements, and if my goals are reached, even people who I think are shitheads will have food, water, shelter, healthcare, travel, education, like all that stuff. The, the fact that it is supposed to be for literally everyone, even people who have bad ideas and think politically wrong, that ties me to, like, if that's radical, good. <laughs> like, I am that radical. <laughs> we, we have a whole generation of people who said look we tried that shit machine it was communism it was russia oh you, you wanted to talk about it. that actually how mar <laughs> fucking shed on boots riley on his show at the yeah, end oh. but i think next down. week we're just gonna play and talk about that whole interview because okay I would love okay to. <laughs> um if the red scare really scared you check out the lavender scare okay yeah it is exactly what you think it is yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. The Red Scare, but with gays. Yep. Well, Carrie, we have both had our last minutes on last minute politics. What is your last minute? Do you have anything that you want to plug? You you, you can just have like a minute to say whatever you want. Art. Where can people find you? Where do you where can people find your writing especially? <laughs> um, I'm really shy about that, but uh if you want to find my writing, you can find me on Swirly Tales on Twitter. Uh, I usually post about that. Uh, Fur Planet, I'm I'm published under Casey Alpinus, which is Carisis Kuan Alpinus, because yes, I am pretentious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you guys have a chance to go vote or something in the uh, the Ursa Majors, I believe I have an anthology up for nomination or something, something like that up. But honestly, my biggest thing is the biggest takeaway. I want people to get from me today is the fact is just to ask yourself, 
what more can I be doing? Like get rid of all the labels and stuff of the places that you tie yourself. Stop trying to be like, I'm the most liberal liberal, I'm the leftist leftist, or I'm the biggest baddest anarchist. And just ask yourself, what do I want? What do people who have, who seem like they're similar to me, what do they want? And how can we work together to get this accomplished? And then also in the same vein, it's like, you know, find a way to uplift BIPOC creators, find a way to uplift trans creators. You know, it may not be much. It may be something as on like a furry con survey that says, hey, do you know somebody that we could recommend? Recommend these people, you know, like I'm not like, don't recommend me because I'm too shy, too shy and nerdy. But I can recommend a lot of people that deserve this recognition and need to be seen and their words need to be heard. So just help us out, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, we have been last minute politics. You got to do it over again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, be, be we inclusive. have been. No, <laughs> you got it wrong po- again. <laughs> what? What did I say wrong? Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, both and neither. Oh, ladies, gentlemen, <laughs> non-binary comrades, and only comrades. If you're not a comrade, I'm not acknowledging you. It- <laughs> 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 Thank you the- very much. The, yes, the all non-binary no identify, fa- right? Okay. <laughs> all non-binary fascists are excluded from my world. <laughs> okay, I need to stop. Sorry. Last minute politics. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us. If you want to talk to us, our email address. Well, we also have like comments if you're listening to this on YouTube. But our email address, Dragor. What is that email address? Last minute politics at gmail.com. Send us questions. Send us comments. In the very near future, I would love to start doing a Patreon. So one thing you could email us, besides like questions you have for us, would be, what do you want to see in a Patreon reward tier? My idea is that while we're doing, like literally right now, while we're doing this call, is that we would instead make it a Discord server, and then if you give us at least a dollar a month, you could just sit there and listen to our whole recording. Like the most unedited podcast experience possible. That'd be fun. Or maybe you have a better idea. Please email it to us or just comment it at us. We'll get it. Um, good night, everybody. That's all for me. Drink me pet dolls, save dolls. This was awesome. <laughs> this was. I enjoyed this. <laughs>